0: Welcome to the family with
1: Hackmaster Raftery Basham, M.D.,
2: Alex Bernard
3: Rasmussen,
0: co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Bernard,
3: and Cassie Schrader.
0: Stephen G. Taibbi, is that how you say his name, Taibbi? I think so. I believe that's how you say the name Taibbi. Stephen G. Taibbi. The book is called "Grateful Guilt: Living in the Shadow of My Heart." I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb.
4: It's been
0: good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you?
4: at uh, e- either through our website, which is Minnesota Personal dot com, dot com, or at 800 770 7008
0: Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen with the family. Our special guest Stephen G. Is it Taibi, Stephen? Yes, you got it. I like it, Stephen G. Taibbi. The book is called Grateful Guilt, Living in the Shadow of My Heart. This is one of those interviews, Stephen, where I'm going to shut up and listen because this is one hell of a story. So, uh, uh, it's, I can lead in with this. They've been cutting into Stephen Taibbi since the day he was born and they still haven't stopped. What is this all about,
5: Stephen? Well, it's, um, It's about the story of my life that I'm trying to use as an analogy in my book to help people who are profoundly ill, uh, also to help people who are taking care of people who are ill, and also as a a book that could inspire anybody who's just having a bad day. Um, I guess it ended up being a book about perseverance. I didn't mean it to be that, um, but that's what it seems to have turned out to be, uh, just to give the shortest version of my of my history that way is um on the day I was born I was um I had three minor operations because both of my both of my thumbs were were crooked and were pointing to the left and the doctors thought that a tendon was pulling them down so they cut open the the thumbs and cut this tendon but it had nothing to do with that it was a it was actually a bone uh, um, it was a a bone deformity, and the um, and it was also a marker of a of a, a syndrome that nobody knew about yet. And I had another minor operation that day. And then when I was five and six, um, well, actually when I was five, they discovered that I had an extremely enlarged heart, and that when they looked, when they did the when they did the catheterization back then, which was a major pr- operation, not like it is today. Um, they found out that I had what is commonly called a hole in the heart, mm-hmm. and that's a a hole between the these uh it's a atrial septum defect and it's it's a hole in the um wall between the atrium, which are the top two chambers, and that calls a shunt causes a shunt of the blood between those atriums, which makes the the heart very inefficient, which is why it was getting larger and larger and it it would be fatal you know. And back then, people who had hole in the heart, this is 1958, um, the, the survival rate was
6: 50%. Oh, that
5: was the cutting edge heart surgery of the day. So I had my surgery when I was five and they discovered that I had another hole and a, and a vein that was plumb backwards. And they couldn't fix it then because I was already so weak from this operation. So they sent me home and they told my parents if I survived that year, that uh, they'd go in again and try to fix the other hole. They did that when I was six in 1959. And at that time, no one had lived through two open-heart surgeries for ASD repair. I was the first. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, I, you know, I always wanted to be first at something, you know? Sure, sure and,
0: absolutely.
5: Um, so then they... Uh, Next thing they did was um, they told my parents that I had lived through this operation, but they didn't think I'd get past 10. And then I got past 10, and they told my parents I wouldn't get out of my teenage years. And that one almost came true. Um, By this time, we had changed doctors. And um, this doctor and I were very close, and he spoke very bluntly to me. And when I was 15, he told me I had about a year to live because my my heart was in such – severe arrhythmia and um they they i went to the hospital and um they cardioverted me that's literally i love dr speak you know dr speak is really awesome because um they make the simplest things sound really complex don't they <laughs> yeah dr
0: Bash. that's right i'm sorry we have a doctor in studio and he agrees with you
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're know, like I, okay good that's great because it's true right yeah. you know and what i really love about medical personnel is when they say something like um it, you're going to feel a little pressure what they mean is there's an elephant with high heels standing on you they, <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah well if you, they if you, say it's just going to be a little pressure don't they do that that's right if we
1: don't trivialize things no one will do anything so yeah <laughs> oh, there's God. an element of that you yeah through
7: that pinch means Piercing wound.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. pinch means we're going to use the jaws of life. Um, You have a great attitude about
0: this, Stephen. I'm I'm sorry? You have a great attitude about all this, I'll tell you that.
5: Well, that's how come I'm here.
0: Yeah, I bet. Um,
5: And I'm serious. Um, See, I just got serious. I'm capable. Anyway, um, (laughs) so then they told me that I had this. So they did this... um, cardioversion, which has, i uh, getting back to the, um, cardioversion is doctors speak for, we're going to electrocute you. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> and they do, and they stop your heart. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they told me at the time, they go, there's this teensy, eensy, weensy, tiny chance. It may not start again, yep. but, oh. but you know, you have to do it. And, uh, they cardioverted me and my, my, um, my rhythm went back to normal. And so that was great. But they gave me a drug called quinidine. And it turned out that I w- was allergic to it, but nobody knew that. Oh, for the love Jeez. of God. Oh, God. So on my 17th birthday, I'm laying in bed and I have a major heart incident because of the quinidine. And I get the whole out-of-body experience and all that. And uh, that was before Kubler-Ross had read her book. I never heard anybody talk about it before. All right. Like all the things you hear I saw. And uh then they t- told me that um I'd be lucky if I got through my twenties because uh, now my heart was back to a really really irregular beat, and there was nothing they could do then All right and and so um they wanted me to you know they told me you know that i I could not p- get out of my twenties, but man, I chased life with a hammer so i um I just saw living the greatest life i you know you could have because I didn't know how much of it I had. And next thing you know, I'm 33 and my doctor says to me, "I don't know what you did, but your EKG is completely normal. You beat it. Go out and live." Jeez. So I went out and bought a glider on my 34th birthday. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> tried to kill yourself after all of that. Which was the 30 which was the 17th anniversary of my almost dying at 17. I thought that was really significant. So I bought yes. an airplane. And um And then, um, you know, my doctor found out it because he told me I wasn't allowed to fly. And I told him, um, uh, you know, and I always thought back then that I needed to do things to make my heart stronger, not to make them weaker. Mm. Mm -hmm. So then I found out that to fly a glider, you do not need to have a doctor's note, you know, if you had trouble and you don't need a medical. All you need is a driver's license to be healthy enough to drive. Really? after about a year of my owning an airplane, I told my doctor that I was flying, and, uh, and he got really mad. <laughs> he, turned, he looked like a kaleidoscope, all the colors he called, turned, <laughs> and then he put his finger in my face, and he goes, all right, but no acrobatics, and so I have six hours of acro in my book.
0: And, well, um, of course you do, Steven, of course you
5: do. <laughs> yes, of course I do, and then, you know, everything's going great, and you know, um I'm having this incredible life. I, I have a television production company. I'm a director. I'm, I'm writing. I'm, pro, I'm producing. I'm a director of photography. I'm doing all these great things. I'm having a wonderful time. I have an airplane and, uh, and a trailer at an airport. You know, how many of you there have ever you, everything was going just right and you do something to ruin it? Anybody ever do that? Oh, Maybe. Mm, weekly. Yeah. Right. And I, that's right. I got married. So. Um, <laughs> You do stand-up? Which is now, actually Steven? really not true. I mean, my wife actually, she's walked through fire with me, this woman. I really oh, love her. But oh. um, but I suddenly don't own an airplane and a trailer anymore. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, yeah. But um, Rose and I, my wife is Rose. We got married. I changed careers. We are doing pretty well. I we got a nice house in Huntington, Long Island. We had a... Um, We had nice cars. We had a pug that was peeing all over the house. Life was perfect. (laughs) Life (laughs) was great. (laughs) And and then all of a sudden, I started to slow down. I started to gain weight. And I couldn't figure it out. And the doctors put a halter on me, which is is an EKG machine you wear for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And um, they put a halter on me, and they couldn't find anything wrong. And so um, I'm walking with a friend of mine who's a who's a cameraman and I live in a very hilly neighborhood and I collapsed on him and he had to pretty much drag me home. And I scared the heck out of Larry (laughs) and um, he stayed with me until I recovered. But I, 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 my breathing was so hollow. And the next day I had a a stress test and I'm like making jokes and saying how I don't really need to do this. And 30 seconds into the stress test, They're catching me as I'm falling to the ground and putting oxygen on me, and my wife is being told I'm an end-stage heart failure, and um, and then, then the diagnosis of this is it's really hysterical. I I had something called idiopathic cardiomyopathy. Now, there's another one of those doctor words. Idiopathic means unknown agent or you know from an unknown source they can't just say, we don't know. No. <laughs> That's idiopathic guy. I to go look yeah. it up. It
3: yeah. sort of sounds like they're blaming you.
5: Well, they should blame <laughs> themselves because they're the idiots. <laughs> yeah, they, they go, you have idiopathic cardiomyopathy. Yeah. Oh, really? What the hell is that? So cardiomyopathy is wasting disease of the heart. And this time it was caused by, um, like I said, an unknown agent. And so that set me up for my, her- for my first heart transplant 18 years ago. And so 18 years ago, I got a heart transplant which saved my life. Thank God bless my donor and um, And then I kept that heart for 15 years, uh, which was really good because I had no enzyme matches. You need up to six enzyme matches for heart transplants, and mine had zero and um, but they had to get it to me. I had to get this heart or I wouldn't have you know or I wouldn't be here. I was on that cusp of getting too sick to 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 be able to get a heart. Mm. So they gave me this heart and I kept it for 15 years, which all the doctors were amazed with. And then three years ago, three and a half years ago, um, I got another heart at Cedars in in New York. I mean, in L.A., because uh, New York is the worst state in in America for donation rates. And uh, there were not enough organs here for me. And so I had to fly to California. Uh, or I wouldn't have survived the wait. Would have been. It would have taken too long here in New York. So I flew to California and got a heart there. And that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Did you uh, you ever
0: seen the movie Arthur uh, with Dudley Moore? You ever seen that movie? Oh, I love that movie. The reason I bring it up is because after your descriptors it's like. But other than that, you had six relatively good years. (laughs) Yeah,
5: you know, I always say that I live a life of interludes. (laughs) Of interludes,
0: exactly. God, Stephen, what a great and you're a great storyteller. That's really going to help you sell this book, man. You need to do interviews with everybody, everywhere, because you do a great interview. It's it's oh, really amazing. Uh, I should mention, by Would the way. Thank you. Would
5: you write a note and tell my wife? <laughs>
0: yes, I, I will write a note to your wife, absolutely. I am happy to tell you that Stephen G. Taibi is 66 years old.
3: I, I did the math. I was How depressed. cool is that? That's wonderful. Is
5: Nobody, including myself, ever thought I'd get here. I mean, it's just wonderful. Especially after I got married. <laughs> so I
0: still work in the room
3: Your parents when you were growing up They must have just been Did they spoil the crap out of you Because they kept on being told no, That you weren't going to make had, it if
5: they had I think I, I, I wouldn't be here My oh. parents did My parents did the right thing I think um, way too often Especially nowadays Children are just molly collied And it's not good for them It really isn't yeah, Alex. My parents were like well, My parents acted as if I wasn't sick. Okay. They, now obviously I had certain restrictions right after surgeries and things, Mm -hmm. but as a living child growing up, they made me go out and play. They made me, I had to do my chores. Wonderful. They They made me act like I wasn't sick. And that was a strategy. And my book is all about strategies and I had strategies on how to survive starting with age five. I never go into a hospital. If I'm going to, let's say, if I'm going to get a catheterization, which I get them fairly often. Um, if I'm going in for a catheterization, I go in with strategies. I don't know, do anything medically without having strategies in my head. It's vital. My parents' strategy was to act like I wasn't sick, so I wouldn't think I was sick.
6: Mm-hmm. And I
5: caught on to that. And I expanded that. That's that's how. Um, that's why I wasn't listening to my doctors when I thought they were wrong. Now I'm Mr. Compliant because the strategy for me at this point is to listen to my, what my doctors know, because right now they know better than I do. Back when I was a kid, my doctors weren't understanding how much I needed exercise and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, but I thought it. You know, I knew it. I was really quite strong when I was young. Um, now, now a moth could beat me up, but um, <laughs> back then, <laughs> yeah, I really got into it with a moth the other day and he won. Anyway, but, um, uh, you know, that it. strategy my parents had of not spoiling me, of treating me like a normal kid. That saved my
0: life. Yeah, I'm positive. There's no doubt, Steven, I am going to. I also do a, a morning talk show here in town, and I want to book you on that show as well. You, you do a great interview. So uh, KQRS Radio, it's called. I'll, I'll, I'm going to have them reach out to you because I want to book you on the morning show so you can tell your story. It's a great story, Steven, and you tell it very well.
5: Okay, I I I'd love to do that. You, you know Harlan, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but let you know. Let him know.
0: We will let him know, Stephen J. Uh, Stephen G. Taibi. It's T A I B B I. The book is called "Grateful Guilt: Living in the Shadow of My Heart." Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Great interview, sir.
5: Well, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: We'll talk to you soon on the morning show.
5: Okay, that's you got it bet. Wonderful. We'll be back with the family.
0: Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
4: Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Ooh, free falling. Who's free falling?
2: Oh. Well, apparently not Steven because he survived career. his glider.
0: Hey, she <laughs> got a glider. I'm getting a glider. <laughs> See, I got married. My, when I don't have a glider. When anymore. he said
2: that, I thought of like glider, rocking gl- chair, glider.
0: Oh, okay. oh, I thought he was talking <laughs> yeah. hang
2: glider. and like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> I was like,
2: why did he go by a rocking chair? <laughs> okay. Have you guys ever heard of Carolyn
0: Calloway? No. You ever heard of this woman? Have you, Catherine? What? Who?
3: Is she Carolyn the inventor Callaway. of the golf ball? No. <clears throat> no, not that one. Okay.
0: <clears throat> no, you haven't heard of her? No. Maybe you've heard, but Twitter is a buzz over Carolyn Calloway. <laughs> The Instagram influencer received a ton of attention this week when her former co-writer wrote an article about their working relationship. Artnet reports in the cut, Natalie Beach describes a 27-year-old as a beguiling storyteller who could burst into tears over a simple gift or apparently lie about it being stolen, who lived halfway between her true self and her romantic online persona, who wrestled with an Adderall addiction and threatened suicide if Beach didn't keep working on their manuscript about Calloway's life. When they abandoned the book, they parted ways, but it's the relationship and the insight into an influencer's life that seemed to have struck a chord. Beach says she was sucked in by their high-energy partnership. She even blew it off when Calloway admitted to having bought tens of thousands of fake Instagram followers to jumpstart her career. I remember we used to interview people on this, and I've got a half a million followers, and we found out they bought them all. Mm Mm-hmm. And and how much is it? It's like 10 cents a piece or something? Yeah,
7: really not that much.
0: It's not Not very very much. much. Anyway, she bought uh, tens of thousands of fake Instagram followers to jumpstart her career. After all, she was constantly calling me her best friend and work wife, telling me she loved me, Right, speech. I thought we were in this together. Uh, This is weird. Others have also accused Callaway of scamming. The influencer recently had to abandon $165 creativity workshops, for her 800,000 Instagram followers after a journalist dismissed them as a scam. Callaway's response, she wrote a post criticizing her own greed and overconfidence and wore a t-shirt that read, Scammer, for oh, NBC God. What is wrong with this person?
7: Why do people care about Instagram influencers?
0: I don't get that either.
7: They're all horrible people.
0: To anyone I've disappointed or outraged, they have so much empathy for how you must be feeling right now, Calloway wrote. It's so valid, and I'm so sorry. She later hosted a sold-out workshop called The Scam. So people sign up for a workshop called The Scam. It doesn't surprise me. Calloway also gushed about Beach, calling her brilliant and saying everything in Natalie's article will be brilliant and beautifully expressed and true. But Calloway's no fool. She wrote in a now-deleted post that she would charge brands as much as $1,000 dollars to mention them on Instagram, and $5,000 for regular mentions. Flatiron Books offered her $375,000 for her book, and now once more than $100,000 returned, Calloway is apparently doing what? She's working on it. Mm. Yeah. Now the media is abuzz with articles like, Are You a Carolyn or a Natalie? and a New York Times follow-up interview with Beach. My inbox is pretty full right now, she admits. I'm a little overwhelmed with sort of a tidal wave of attention. But Beach holds no grudge against Calloway for any apparent lies or manipulations. Carolyn was caught between who she was and who she believed herself to be, which in the end may have been the most relatable thing about her, Beach writes. This is why when people ask me if Caroline is a scammer, I try to explain that if she is, her first mark is always herself. I don't understand any of that story. Why would people like this one? All she's been doing is scamming everybody, and but people still like her.
2: Well, look at Hitler.
0: Hitler? What? How did you tie in Hitler? <laughs> people, to lo- people
2: loved him and he was a complete lunatic that was. I mean, it's, well, people true. are easily influenceable. It's like, yeah, yes, you they seem are. like you know what you're talking
6: about.
1: Yet, 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 a large amount of advertising is going to influencers, whether it's on Instagram, oh, YouTube, God, and yes. things like oh, that. Yeah. So much is going to them. Uh, the one one one. It was on the BBC, they were talking about, I forget which uh, manufacturer, one of the cosmetic brands. 70% goes to influencers.
3: Really?
0: Not yeah, yeah. 70%? That's
1: not at all. Yeah, here, look, oh, look what I just got. Oh, I just got this new SD Lauder uh, a packet. Oh, look, let's see what's in it. You know, and oh, yeah. people mm-hmm. people watch that sort of stuff. I, um, Unboxing yep, the whole
2: thing.
3: Unboxings. Yeah,
7: unboxings.
3: Really? Mm-hmm.
7: I what did somebody.
2: I get in this package from You know what people Navy. need to do is
3: get off the internet and go yeah. do some go for a your life. Oh, yeah, yeah, get a life. How Go about watch that somebody action. unbox something. Well,
7: these Instagram Didn't influencers, they? their fans are all like teenagers and young. Oh, they are?
0: Yeah. So what do they influence? What do they mean by influencer? What are they influencing? I think they people.
3: try different cosmetics and you name it Uh clothes and then they get and yeah and then they get they get money from advertisers and then if people buy things off of their website Mm -hmm. or their instagram account then they get more money so the whole instagram
2: influencer thing is like you are a person you're your own brand that you put out and people want to be like you. They think you're inspiring, they think you're smart, they think really? you're funny, whatever it's they a cult think. Of personality. They think your kids are cute, like any of that and then you post on there you're like, "Oh, I just got this box with you know, all the different flavors of Lay's potato chips, and they're so good, and they're an easy snack on the go, and blah, blah, blah. And then people go buy Lay's potato chips yeah. because you
7: eat it's them. It's like a walking, living cool. advertisement.
3: Yeah. So it's a personal endorsement for complete strangers that yep. you just happen to like. On... Yeah.
1: And it also happens on YouTube as well. There Children are easily influenced. People, influence. have, have followers well, people are followers who the same and podcasters. There's one, there's one couple who do stuff on motorhomes or re, RV recreation, and they have a podcast. They have live things on weekends, and they have a YouTube channel. I mean, they just, just have this huge amount, and they're influencers, and they get free stuff and great
0: deals and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. All right, got to run this by, and then you have to guess. A family of five found dead on a cliff in Fiji. A one-year-old found alive, crawling nearby, having survived 36 hours in the wilderness. Uh, Who did they charge with the death of the five people? The father. Uh, Police say Muhammad Rashish Ishuf, Hmm. 62, Hmm. lived next to Nirmal Kumar, 63, and his wife, Usha Devi, 54, for years in Fiji, before Ishuf and his wife moved to New Zealand, but they returned to Fiji last month for a visit. Uh, They found five people dead on a cliff in Fiji, and they have blamed a witch doctor. Oh, my God. A witch doctor? A witch doctor. (laughs) Okay.
2: From Hex?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, is it I it the Maryland the man? Acts. Was is there the a goat again? Yes, nearby? Was, was that, anybody
0: go? Go. Oh. Is that the witch doctor? Was that anybody disavowed? The witch doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah we a listened to that right.
2: this morning. <laughs> you
0: listen to that? <laughs> yeah. bang, wow. oh, oh, bing
7: bang, bing bang. <laughs> well, there's a new. They yeah, uh, keep making new versions of it. Well, no, we listened
2: to the original. The oh, who was it by?
3: Uh who did do that? Oh my god. It's like the it's the, like the, we- it's the weirdest told, name
2: Tell me what to do. It's like by Oogie boogie, boogie, boogie or something. It's uh,
7: literally it's by Shanana. Was Shanana the of it? It's yeah. not the original. Oh, it's not the original. not the original. The original is by Ross Bagdasarian. Ah, uh, yes. You know
2: who that Released is in I know 1958. Him well.
0: You know no. who I think that is?
7: David Ooh. Seville. Yes. Yep. That's the voice of uh Alvin and the Chipmunks. Of the Chipmunks.
2: Oh. Well, in the, that, That's in, c- I didn't
7: know that. In the
2: Shannara version, there's like an Alvin. We were like, that sounds exactly like Alvin.
0: Yep.
6: Yeah,
0: Bagdasarian was David Seville.
2: Okay, well that makes sense then.
0: Huh. How cool is that? Actually,
7: I think you did listen to the Bagdasarian version. It said version.
2: on Alexa.
7: Well, I think it lied because the original has him doing the Alvin voice. Well, maybe
2: Shannara has it. Yeah,
0: like in a there. Sample. sample. They sampled it. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, that sounds exactly
2: like Alvin. <laughs> uh, uh, ting tang,
0: walla, 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 <laughs> bing, bang. Yeah, we ooh, listened ee, to that this ooh, morning. Uh, uh, ting tang, walla, 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 bing, bang.
2: Listened to it twice. Well, did you really?
0: Yeah. A little uh, David Seville, Alvin <laughs> and the Chipmunks.
1: Yeah, the, there there is a current version that yeah, they sample that, and and oof, oh, it's a club med song.
0: Oh, really? oh, is it, it really? Song, yeah. oh, is it? I didn't know that. So, all right, stay away from the oo-ee-oo-ah uh, witch uh, uh, doctor uh, uh, when you're in when doctor. you're in Fiji Ow,
3: or Cambodia. So, so what's Cambodia.
0: It, <laughs> <laughs> or they don't know ritual? what the hell. I mean, they're I,
2: doing. I, They'll make you do all the odd. work.
0: <laughs> they don't really descri- <laughs> describe why it is they think that the witch doctor killed them. I uh, I could probably figure that out at some point, but uh, so I think maybe that's. You know. I don't really know why they think a witch doctor killed them for money. Oh, you think it was a money call? You think really? ninety
7: percent of murder is because of money. So, what is Think Progress? What is uh, that horrible website? Oh, is it really? <laughs> oh yeah. Talk what? about clickbait.
0: Why? What is it? It's
7: a clickbait website. What does that mean? They make clickbait. I don't know what that <laughs> means. I'm to no what been, you is. don't know what
0: clickbait is. I have no idea what clickbait do. Yes, is. Yes, you do. No, so I they don't.
2: make you keep clicking on their site to go to the next page or uh, all
0: news sites do ads, that now. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's... I hate that about news sites. Unable to find a new publisher, Think Progress is going dark. We are left with no choice but to close Think Progress. Oh, well, there you go. As an independent enterprise focused on original reporting said Navanayak. I just called him NN or double N. That's what I called him. The Center for American Progress Action Fund on Friday, the news website was an editorially uh, independent project of the Center, which is a Democratic Party think tank. Think Progress has been in the red for years. The Daily Beast reports the Center couldn't continue supplementing the growing shortfall in Think Progress revenue. Uh, Nyack said the site was put up for sale in July, uh, per the wrap, but zero people were interested in buying it.
7: Well, the brand name is ruined. They, no one believes their lies anymore, so they oh, have really? no value.
0: So what would they lie about? Everything? Well,
7: look at every news site. They just make stuff up about mostly political stuff, so some celebrity do. stuff, you know.
0: I, let me ask you guys your opinion of this. Why is it that we have laws in America where, because someone is a public figure, you can lie your ass off about them, really ruin their career, and there's nothing they can do about it? Because I don't know. The New understand York Times had a either. lot of power and a lot of money. Yeah.
3: That doesn't make any sense. You can
0: ruin someone's life, and there's nothing they can do about
3: well, it. I remember when I was in journalism school back before <clears throat> they, yeah, back when there was actual journalism, mm-hmm. and they always said, when you're thrusting yourself into the public eye right. that you have no expectation of privacy wherever you go.
0: Yeah, but privacy and lying about yeah, what they did are, are two different. completely well, different Well, it things. also used
3: to be that journalism had some ethics and you would not oh, yeah,
0: be lying. Yeah. Well, that's true.
3: Unless you were some sort of a celebrity rag and then people, you know, took that for what it was. So
1: the star isn't true? <laughs> it's a <star laughs> well, I'm
3: not true. saying it's... Not
0: true. <laughs> not true.
3: But I'm not saying anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Here's exactly what I'm talking about. I brought this up earlier. MSNBC story flub gives Trump an opening. No, Lawrence O'Donnell was lying, and he knew he was lying. It was not a flub. It was a flat-out lie to say that the, Donald Trump and the Russians uh, kind of got together on his tax return or something. I know, it's just a ridiculous story. Uh, reporting on Russian Russia ties to Trump finances. There, there you go. And now he says, reporting on Russian ties to Trump finances was a mistake. Mm. Was a mistake. Okay. It was a so they make it sound you, like. Yeah.
7: They make it sound like. It was a mistake to tell the truth.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because the
7: reporting was the mistake. It wasn't the fact that they lied. That was the mistake.
0: Look, I'm not here to defend President Trump. He can defend himself because he loves to tweet so much anyway. He sure does. I'm here to say these disgusting news reporters need to get their head out of their ass.
3: Like I said, I think that that somebody should be challenging their credibility as journalists in courts. Because if you're not actually a journalist and you're just... Right. A person with opinions, then you don't get the protections of being a journalist.
7: I, they I they agree. all are journalists, though. Everybody's a journalist. There are so though. many journalistic outlets that just say, "Hey, yeah, sure, come on to our payroll. There you go. Now you're immune to the law." Well,
3: yes. See, that's what I am totally against. I don't now,
0: believe I think that, that should totally be against okay. That. Everybody. Well, I mean, look at that story. Those those gangs. Twenty people beat the hell out of two guys. Uh, they were totally defenseless. These guys, one—it it was two different episodes where this happened. They literally punched and kicked the guy in the face when he was down. Jumped on him. Jumped from on heights. him. Hit him over the head with a flower pot about the size of a building. Mm-hmm. Ran over him with a bicycle. And this show was the first one to report it in America. Now, how the hell is that even possible? And that was because L.A. Nick showed me the video last Wednesday. Yep. So we, we talked about it on this podcast, and I talked about it the next morning on the KQ Morning Show. Local news didn't cover it at all.
3: Well, there's a um, Twitter page and a Facebook page, and I think he has an Instagram page. It's Minneapolis Crime Watch. Right. And he has hardly any followers. Mm-hmm. Really? and he And he just reports all, all the crime that he hears over the right. scanner, and right. it's amazing.
7: Well, the I media just... doesn't report things that might be... Damaging to their bottom line. Yeah. So you're going to allow people to you... be
0: savagely beat? They don't care. They don't care.
7: No, it's money. And they, so so if if they, were, well, I don't know how does that affect their bottom line if they report that? Because they get uh, funding from certain places, you know, like endowments, not necessarily well, federal money, although I think they do get. But you know, it's like well, donors and stuff. Plus, yeah. they want oh totally.
2: Plus, you want people to come who to Minneapolis. Money
7: to a newspaper. People who are indoctrinated. Yeah, pretty much true.
2: The people who want to cover these stories up. Are the advertisers? Yeah, or it's
7: yeah. It's like you know, say I'm a billionaire and I want people to think a certain way. I'll say, hey, uh, I'll give you fifty million dollars if you only report a certain slant for the yeah, next year. Yeah, that's true. And they're like,
0: that's true. Sure,
7: there's nothing illegal <sighs> about that because we're the media.
0: Do you know why local media finally carried the story la- late last night and early this morning? Why. Because it was, it was on the national, national news. Oh, okay, so that, that was forced. Uh, it made the national news before they'd even touch the story, even though we reported surprises. it a week it was, ago.
1: So no, so no, <clears throat> we're we're so fearful of reporting uh, crime,
0: right, in
1: Minneapolis or Saint Paul, mm-hmm. that we're what are we? are afraid, afraid that people will go downtown, or what, what are we? afraid we're yeah, afraid, the afraid the that
7: people won't come here and spend the tourist bucks. The
0: problem they have is that it was black people that beat the mm-hmm. hell out that, of white guys. Oh yeah. See, so apparently you you can protect. Do they not know how racist that is? It's like assuming all black people do that kind of thing.
3: Right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's basically what it looks like to me when they say those uh, things. Well, it's racist to do what you did. How do you not know that?
1: And so no one no one wants to do anything in South Chicago, mm-hmm. in Cora, because oh, it's black people. Because it's black people, yeah. After black people.
0: I just don't understand how they don't see that as racist.
1: Are the the people who are committing the crimes, are they getting a free ride? Or do we don't care about the victims? Well, what is it?
0: I don't know. I don't know. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We'll try to figure out the world because I have no idea what the hell's going on. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey,
4: Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindall Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less. And the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient
0: for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutrimost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, Thanks to the Sheehy Brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program, powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me, having a coach keeps you accountable and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program, powered by Nutramost, help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutrimost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now 763 333 7337. That's 763 333 7337. Study data comes from client submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress is new to most weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details. Again, I like that.
3: Beautiful.
0: Uh, I like to give credit where credit is due. And Wendy called in and said she did see that story about the beatings. Yes. Uh,
3: on Channel over a
0: Nine. Over week ago on Channel Nine, so I want to give Channel Nine credit. Tom Leiden
3: reported it. Yeah, he Tom did like Lydon a did. piece on it. Yeah.
0: Oh, did he? And okay, there were good. actually
3: three incidents, not just the one yeah. that we all saw.
0: No, two. They, they report on two last night on the news.
3: Okay. Well, she said three. So, but Wendy. there are there were
0: three. She's uh, right. Oh. But they reported on two of them. Oh. last night oh. but I just want to give credit, credit. if they cover that story Tom Lydon covered it then c- congratulations because I didn't see it any- did you guys see it anywhere else
3: mm-hmm. I've, I have seen it on Twitter quite a bit on Twitter on Twitter but mm-hmm. not on
0: the news I mean well, Channel 9, well, Yeah, here there. we go news. by
7: Tom Lydon Fox 9 five days
0: ago so it's five days so it was after we did it five or six days ago yeah it was after we did it ah. um, I don't know hey, but still they, they ran with the story which is congratulations Brian Walsh, our guest. How are you doing, Brian? I'm good. Now, this, is a, this ought to be a day brightener for us. End times, a brief guide to the end of the world. That's, got, that's rather scary, Brian.
8: Uh, it's, you know, it's a little bit scary, I suppose. I mean, it is the end of the world or multiple possible ends of the world, but at the same time, we try to plot some ways to make sure that doesn't actually happen.
0: Newsweek and Bloomberg, popular science and investigative journalist Brian Walsh explores the history of extinction and offers a cutting edge examination of existential risk, the dangers, uh, dangerous mistakes we have yet to pay for. Ooh. Brian, this, I want to hear all about this. So we, the dangerous mistakes we have yet to pay for and concrete steps we can take to protect ourselves and future-proof our civilization. So so what mistakes have we made that we are yet to pay for? Are there numbers of them? I'm hoping just a couple. Well,
8: <laughs> well certainly you can look at something like, let's take the war, for instance. You know, when the first nuclear bomb was tested in trinity in 1945 i mean that introduced a new category right. of the ways the world could end before that it had to be natural it had to be something from space or something here on earth now suddenly that's in our power and we've been lucky for you know 70 some years now that hasn't happened yet but of course those missiles are all still there you yeah. know, they could be fired it could be on purpose it could be an accident so that's one and the other is really looking at sort of I think some new emerging technologies that we're just developing now, like biotechnology gene editing, for instance, or artificial intelligence, where, you know, we may not be able to predict the direction those are going to go, which means they could easily get out of control in a way that could have catastrophic consequences, and they'd be happening faster than we can actually react to, such that we may be making mistakes in the way those are being introduced. We won't actually know until it's potentially too late.
0: Uh, Well, I feel much better now, Brian.
1: (laughs) Hand hey, me hey,
0: that bottle of Prozac over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so amazing about that, Brian? That we we, uh, we talk about this quite often because right now uh, the world, not just America, but the world seems to be at each other's throats, and and people are willing to lie and destroy other people's lives. They, they go out of their way. If you don't agree with me, I will destroy you. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we trying to end this whole thing? I mean, do we – is it – subconscious, it just, i mm-hmm. man, people are
8: in, in in a bad
0: situation right now, aren't they? Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, and it definitely feels that way. And you look at surveys and you, you see a large percentage of people really worrying about these things, uh, yeah. worrying that, you know, the world's going to end now. At the same time, this is something that's kind of shattered us always. You know, it used to be something that had a more, we had a more religious element uh, than, you know, yeah. a political one. Now it's more about technology. But I think, you know, there's something about human beings that has always ha- caused us to kind of catastrophize and focus on this uh which isn't the same thing as saying it's not real uh it's definitely real and and in some ways worse off now than i think we've ever been before
0: but this is great news brian our special guest end times is a compelling work of skilled reportage or reportage it all depends uh that peels (laughs) back the layers of complexity around the unthinkable and inevitable end of humankind from asteroids and artificial intelligence to volcanic super eruption to nuclear war, 15-year veteran science reporter and time editor Brian Walsh provides a stunning panoramic view of the most catastrophic threats to the human race. But you also give us an out,
8: I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping, Brian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every one of these moves can be countered, you know, I'll take one, you know, asteroids have been with us always. It's, you know, yeah. you might remember the dinosaurs. That's how they came to an end. Mm-hmm. But now we actually have the ability, uh, using scientists at NASA to track asteroids, track Earth objects, and actually even deflect them, sort of similar to what you might see in a movie like Armageddon. And right. of course, a lot of these other ones have solutions too, you know, nuclear war, there's a way to stop it. We, we've held it out now for 70 years. We keep that uh, and you look at some of these new technologies, biotech or AI, they could be developed in a way that I hope gets the maximum benefit out of them with, while minimizing that risk. So Brian, I do
0: have to ask you because you see it on the news all the time. If we stay on our current course, uh, do you see climate changing so badly that in 10 years or 12 years, the earth will come to an end?
8: No, I think, I think that's been right. really overstated. I mean, right. I, I include a chapter on climate change. And it is different than the other ones because it's you know it's happening and and will continue to happen. Will most likely, or almost certainly, continue to get worse. But this idea that it's going to suddenly cause human extinction in 12 years and 20 years by 2050 by 2100 just isn't isn't very likely. Uh, you know, it's different than the other risks, which are kind of like big catastrophes that suddenly happen. This is right. one that's going to be with us always. You know, in some ways, I like to compare it to. It's less like cancer, more like diabetes, and then it has to be managed, has to be controlled, and it can get worse or it can get better, but it's always going to be with us.
0: See, Brian, we need more people like you because when these, uh, you know, these people make these statements, whether they're politicians or Hollywood people Mm -hmm. or whatever the situation is, nobody's there to say, well, that's not true at all. (laughs) Uh, and I, I'm i going to have to call – every time I see it, Brian, I'm going to call you and go, you need to call into CBS right now because they're trying to say the world's going <laughs> end in, in 12 years. When I'm clearly... going to
8: be very busy in
0: that case. <laughs> You're gonna, you've decided against it. No, I, right. I just – I love the fact that we have you on because, look, we all need to live cleaner lives. Catherine, my my lovely wife, and I have been recycling – for well over 30 years we've lived very clean lives we don't leave messes everywhere we go we
3: own no cows
0: we don't own a county farting cows that's true we also drive very few miles in our cars so yes i would like everybody to live a very clean uh life it'd be wonderful but i don't think threatening people with doom is a good way to get there
3: well, especially if it's 10 years yeah, I mean we may I, I, as well party on yeah.
0: and it's been and it's really been, it's, it's an inter- in the psychology
1: of 10 years or 12 years is interesting because it, that has started that started in the 70s and 80s because it was a popular oh we're gonna oh, it's yeah. gonna be overpopulated we're all gonna die oh it's gonna to be too cold we're all gonna die and it was always this 10 to 12 year projection yeah, well, yeah. and it, it's, it's it's interesting that that's just that is just like two senators' terms or five ah. congressmen's terms. It, it, it's the kind of thing that, like, oh, oh, we have to do something for the future, but they're gone. And, and no one can prove that because most right. of the people that have believed in that are, you know, you forget what people have said. And it just a continued ongoing drum that's been beaten. Oh, 10 years from now, we're all going to die. It's going to be overpopulated. We're not going to have food. It, it, and, it, and it just gets old. You know, I, I guess I'm, I'm way more fearful of some catastrophic. Uh, technology, you know, getting out of control. Gray you know. goo situation. Yeah. Well, I, well. For instance, uh, people have this horrific fear of GMO products. Right. Horrific fear of them. Yet, we are willing to to accept artificial viruses which will inject genetics into our bodies and not think twice mm-hmm. about
7: it. Yeah. True. That's yeah, real weird. <laughs> yeah. Genetically modifying <laughs> people. I don't know. I'd say test that out for three, four hundred really, years, and then yeah. we'll do it.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think that's a that's a very very good point. So yeah, Brian, I think that every I would like to see people live much cleaner lives and get along yeah. much better and not hate one another, and that would yeah. all be very very nice. But I I just really wish the lying would stop so we could all really. Uh, Focus on what's really important and basically at this point end times is what's really important end times answers the most important questions about uh, questions facing humankind that's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing that I want to read Brian because I could learn something and if I can in any small way make things better I would make that effort
8: to try to make things better no matter how minute it is Mm -hmm. yeah I I hope that's definitely the case and I I think it's just an interesting way to look at psychology around this i think for the most part if you tell people you know if you don't do xyz the world's going to end in 10 to 12 years that's not the first time people have said things like that right you No, know, yeah they've been wrong so far but also i think it tends to have much more of a you know either people tend to just push it away or, or say it's not true or it kind of paralyzes them but it's not very effective even if you know that's what's what you want like that's we know from psychologists that's just not a an effective move, uh, especially for something like this, which is going to just take, it's not going to be something you just decide and fix tomorrow in a day. It's going to take years and years and years. So you need to figure out a, a method that actually sustains that kind of public attention and public, uh, you know, movement. Um, and I, I don't think this is a very effective way to do it. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. I, um,
5: yeah, I,
0: I, like I said, I just reading the descriptor of your book and reading your book, I I think it's really good news for everybody. I mean, you see, you see, even though the, the name of the book is End Times, you see it as a very positive message, don't you? In the long run, I,
8: I yeah, I I do. You know, I mean, and the reason I see it as a positive message is that unlike people a hundred years ago or two hundred or however long or really all of human history, mm-hmm. we're not just sitting around waiting for the asteroid or or whatever. To strike us. We actually can help make this world a better place and a more sustainable place. And I, and I mean sustainable in the sense of lasting, you know, so that we have children and grandchildren and, right. you know, hundreds of years in the future, you know, and if anything happens extinction-wise to us now, it's obviously bad for us here on this planet right now. But it's even worse when you think about all the people who might live who won't otherwise. And that's our responsibility, really, uh, to keep this Species and planet safe from any number of these kind of risks that I tried to outline here. God, you know the the the
0: work that you've done over the years. I'm just reading some of the things. Um, a graduate of Princeton University, Brian Walsh worked as a foreign correspondent, reporter, and editor for Time over 15 years. He founded the award-winning ecocentric blog on Time.com and has reported on more than 20 country, more than 20 countries on science and environmental stories like SARS, global warming, and extinction. So it's it's pretty much shoulder to the wheel for you does it ever get overwhelming for you just going oh my god another thing that i
8: have to worry about <laughs> a, a little bit sometimes yeah i mean it's, yeah. It's, it's i look at that sort of record of of, of reporting and i realize and this is kind of how the book came about this is you know one thing after led to another and i realized i was looking at these big global catastrophic threats a lot of them had to do with the way the world was changing you know something like sars is is a reflection of globalization. You know, I mean, that disease started in some market in southern China, uh, jumped across the border to Hong Kong where I was living at the time. And Hong Kong is a, a major airport, you know, so it went from there to the rest of the world. And that wouldn't have been possible 100 years before, you know, and, and, yeah. it, and it shows all that sort of shows the way that we are connected in a sense we've never been before, which makes us more vulnerable in one way, but also it means we can pull together as a, as a world, as a species to really make a difference, you know, uh, protect ourselves. And in and, and many ways, we have. Uh, we just still have a lot Good. farther to go, I think, uh, and, and we don't know how much time we have to do that.
0: No, I understand that. Do you think that people want to believe that the time in which they lived was the most important time on Earth? That it's definitely, oh, when, yeah, totally. when I come to my end, the whole world would come to its end. Do people <laughs> want to believe that
8: it'll, it'll all wrap up at the end of their lives? I, I think so. I think that's that's part of what yeah. always made people attracted to apocalyptic stories. Again, mm-hmm. you know, going back to religious ones, to ones yep. you know in popular culture and 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 film that we have now. I think it is a somewhat of a. It's hard to imagine the world after you're gone. It really. Is. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's, I it's, suppose that's something that's hard to wrap your head around. Um, and so there's a bit of a generational kind of self-centeredness that gets into that. But that's not the same thing as saying it's not true. You know what I mean? It, in the sense that like. Those, those feelings maybe have a certain psychology behind them, but they also reflect uh, a real danger and real vulnerability that I think we do feel right now, which, which is authentic. Yeah, and I think that we're making it, well, by
0: we, I do mm-hmm. mean certain politicians, certain news organizations. Hollywood certainly contributes to all that. We mm-hmm. love to get that negative story out there because people make a lot of money off of negative stories. They make tons <clears throat> of money off that stuff. <clears throat>
8: Yeah, and I think I think you know when it comes to popular culture, it's you want the stakes to always be as big as possible. So yep. it can't just be that you know a small story about you know a couple of people. It always has to be the world's at stake, or you know, increasingly if you're looking at comic book movies like the Marvel movies, the whole universe. Yep. Um,
7: yeah.
8: gets bigger and bigger. You know, and 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 we're sort of conditioned to really only accept that kind of scale as as mattering. So it's not surprising that we bring that home. So everything has existential stakes. You know, every election has yep, that, yep. every debate. Um, it's very hard to sort of find perspective. A lot of that's technology and, and, and media. You know, social media makes everything same like it's on volume 10 out of 10. Yep. Uh, it makes everything move very quickly. And so it's hard, and I hope this book helps do that. It's hard to sort of actually look, you know, with a heart, with a with a hard eye and actually sort of, okay, what's actually important, maybe what's not so important. Um, we're trying to really deal with the things that are important in this book. It is a wonderful thing. End Times, A Brief Guide
0: to the End of the World. Sounds like a negative title, but it's not. <laughs> Brian yeah. Walsh. Brian, thanks so much. Great, great book. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. Nice talking to you, sir. Uh, I think it's it's wonderful. Now, here's a guy. It's, I mean, not exactly, you know, your... Dave I Brightener. don't know, but he's not exactly your <laughs> Trump supporter. <laughs> no. But... But, I mean, this guy's worked for Time Magazine. He's worked for a lot of different news outlets. And he said, he literally just said, the world's not going to end in 2100. You know, they're talking about 10, 12 years. He said, that's Mm -hmm. not going to end the next 100, 200 years, whatever. It's not going to happen.
3: As he's talking, there's a... Twitter feed that says a uh, gas explosion in Russia in a lab that contained Ebola, HIV, <laughs> <laughs> small Perfect. Perfect. Well, I got oh, some other breaking
0: news. Right there. <laughs> like, there. You got you know other go. breaking news?
2: Yeah, State Fair officials have said 11 cases of E. coli are associated with Minnesota State Fair. Most patients reported touching animals at the Miracle of Birth Center. Yeah. So now E. coli That's E-coli? why you
6: wash oh, your hands, wash. hands oh, That's, that's why I
1: had the, old, the hand uh, sanitation station. Yeah. Sanitation. yeah. yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't touch touch
0: an animal. Uh.
2: If you touch an animal, (laughs) just wash your hands.
0: Yeah, that's right. How it is with
2: farm animals. (laughs) Duh.
0: If I I go in to pee in the toilet one more time and you didn't flush your turds, I'm coming to find you. Stop
6: (laughs) talking about (laughs) other
2: people's feces for fun. Why do I have to
3: look at it? Why do you have to talk about it? The problem because is, he it's... hangs out with Fawn now and he
0: talks she's about turds yeah. all the time. Turd bucket. <laughs> That's what she calls your butt now. She calls it turd bucket. Yeah.
2: Uh, where did, where did she get that from? they calling each other turd
3: buckets. Oh, uh, yeah. About. I don't know.
0: Boy, look at the time. Time to wrap <laughs> up. Yeah, for some, ladies well, it's and better gentlemen. than
2: telling kids that she's going to rip them apart like she got from
7: wow.
0: good old Bob. Bob. <laughs> I never said that. Probably saw some <laughs> cartoon
7: you showed
2: her. I don't watch probably. cartoons with her. You do.
7: It's probably Peppa Pig threatened to
0: rip someone. <laughs> yeah, Peppa that Pig, sounds, exactly. sounds
6: horrible. All right, I'm Dora just Dora here Dane's to explore. tell you that yeah. if
0: you don't listen to this show and get all your friends listening to the show by the millions, the world's going to come to an end in 10 years. <laughs> I just want you to know that. So get off your ass and listen to the show, and we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.